Welcome to Sis Internet Radio. Sisters in Spirit, affectionately called Sis, is a nurturing environment for women that inspires harmony in everyday living, shares resources that empower, offers information and support that nourishes the soul, balances our mental and physical well-being, and promotes inner peace and heightened spirituality. Our vision is a world where women live consciously, harmoniously, and spiritually to positively impact our lives and the lives of those with whom we come into contact. Join us as we live life with style, grace, and of course, much joy. Welcome to our Sisters in Spirit broadcast for Thursday, March 7, 2013. You're here with your host, Darlene Raisa Nazaire, and I'm Deborah Skye. Raisa, how are you this evening? I'm doing very well. Really interested in tonight's show. We know we have to give unto Caesar, but we want to give as little as possible. Indeed. Tonight's topic is helpful tax tips. And our special guest this evening is Linda Curry-Graham. Greetings, Linda, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And greetings to all of you. We're happy to have you with us this evening. (laughs) Okay, um, before we get into our topic, I'm going to give you a little bit more information about our guest speaker. Linda Curry-Graham is a retired IRS enrolled agent with 29 years of tax collection experience. Linda is also a business owner, and she has a Bachelor's of Science degree in accounting from St. Augustine's University in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'd also like to let you all know that we are here with my classmate, Linda, and I graduated from St. Augustine's at the time. It was college, but last August, it stepped up its game and became a university, so we're excited about that, and I am excited to have um, my classmate here as our guest speaker. So, Linda, we'd like to start the show by you telling our audience a little bit more about how you got into the field, and then we'll just lead into our discussion. Okay. Um, Back in about 1983, I uh, actually was just looking for a job and um, applied with Internal Revenue Service and, of course, was hired by Internal Revenue Service. And when I went to training and realized what my job really was as a tax collector, quote, unquote, I knew based on my um, personal feelings that I felt that that job was not for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told myself sitting in training that um, I would go through the training and at least get about uh, six weeks of pay and use that money to try to live until I found another job. I had not planned to stay on that job at all. But um, fortunately, and sometimes I felt unfortunate, that I stayed for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. And what made me stay was the fact that once I learned about the um, tax laws and um, um, how the revenue was collected, I realized that it was something that was very new to my ears, and I knew that I knew so many people that did not know what I was learning. Mm -hmm. And I knew 
that the public was responsible for paying taxes. So this was, if it was all news to me, I was thinking, gosh, this has to be all news to so many people in this in this country. So I decided, how can I turn this around and begin to help people mm. by knowing the law and by going out for tax collecting? I could actually be a help to people. And that's what I did, and I, and I tried to let that be my thought for the almost 30 years I was with Internal Revenue Service. Now, that's awesome, and that's a really unique way to look at that because, you know, typically um, the, I will venture to say that typically the public looks at tax collectors or any kind of collector as an adversary. So, um, you yeah. know, so and not and someone course, that's on your know, side going to help you. People, they thought I was their adversary. Uh huh. But most of the time, they quickly found out. I always made sure people understood their rights, understood what how the law applied to them, mm-hmm. and understood what they needed to do in order to correct their uh, tax matters. Okay. All right. So let's get started uh, with um, some of the steps that um, that we can take. And, and one of the things I wanted to, to mention is that we're not giving tax advice for you to fill out your forms. We are just giving helpful tips for you to consider as you complete your forms or as you have your tax preparer to complete your forms. So this is these are things that you should you know kind of keep in the back of your mind and make sure that. Um, you know, you have everything in place. It's to help you, you know, make sure that you are doing the best thing, doing the best to make sure your returns are the best that they can be and will be beneficial to you. So, Linda, can we start with some of the steps or actions that uh, we can take so that that we won't owe or owe as much? Um, I would say one of the main things that we need to know um as individuals, as business owners, that we must we must keep accurate records mm-hmm. and um, keeping records of documenting our actions as it relates to things that we can um, put on tax returns is is the key and and because normally most people think once the, a lot of people really think once they file a tax return they'll be audited next week. But it's normally approximately two years before IRS can really get around to you. So two years later now, you're going to have to come up with how did you get this on your tax return. Um, Not all tax returns are audited, but I will tell you that just, just like we all know, you know, we went from the, um, the um, landline, house phone to iPhones and all this technology, the same thing is happening with Internal Revenue Service. As a matter of fact, my last years with Internal Revenue Service, I spent with um, the department with making sure we had um, a robust computer system mm-hmm. that would do an easy, make, it, make it easier for Internal Revenue Service to collect the most taxes um, audit the most returns with the least resources. Mm. 
So, of course, you know the computer can do that. Mm-hmm. So, so what happens, especially in an audit, audits are basically done, you know, by random selection and computer screening, which means returns are sometimes selected based on um, statistical information of statistical formula. Then there's document matching of documents are sent in from different sources, such as your W-2s, 1099s, um, and they don't match. So that's another way document matching can, can generate an audit. And then related exams, meaning returns um, from other taxpayers or businesses or investors are selected for audits, which generates an audit against you. Um, sometimes people are audited and they don't understand why. Well, it's, sometimes it's from what somebody else did. And I see this a lot, especially with um, uh, people claiming children that they really aren't responsible for. Mm. So that's a, an alert, alert, alert there. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and as I said, um, all systems with the state and federal system, tax system, they are computed, they are improving their computer systems to catch these type of things. So claiming children, you know, a lot of people, you know, there are schemes out there where people sell their children and all of that. Mm. But, but sometimes, well, I know, I know because I've seen it where you cannot trust people with information because sometimes people will say, oh, I didn't get as much money as this person. Then they'll come to IRS and just release <laughs> Oh, <everything>. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, I mean, if it's wow. not right, I recommend don't do it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's a very good recommendation. But I wanted to um, go back to um, – your record keeping. Now, yes. you were saying it takes about two years to, um, if you're going to be audited, about two years before IRS could get around to you. And you mentioned that we need to keep good records and have, uh, you know, good documentation of our transactions. So does that mean everything that you put on your IRS form, you should have a, a document attached to it? A receipt attached to it, especially say, for example, if you are um, if you give a lot of charitable contributions, do you have to have each receipt for that, or do you have to have every receipt for every transaction that you make? There's uh, certain requirements that are um, listed for what is needed for charitable con contributions up to certain mm -hmm. amounts and. Um, certain limitations, which are all you can find out some of these some of this information just by going to www.is.gov or mm -hmm. to your state website mm -hmm. or talk with your accountant or just call IRS. Right. Yeah, they're really good about that, and and I do that typically if I have a question, and they're really good about trying to help you. But, yes, but it'll be safe to say that you should have your documentation in place, as you mentioned earlier. Yes, and, and sometimes I've known people that, you know, may not have had a document, but everything else surrounding it, 
looks mm-hmm. so reasonable, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost proof that, yes, this did happen or could have happened. Oh, okay. Not large, you know, I would say not large amounts, but, you know, right. Right. something reasonable. Mm-hmm. But okay. we have to know that every situation is different. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um but the main thing is to be on the safe side. If you can have documentation, if you don't have documentation, then document the situation or document oh. the transaction. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Mhm. Let's say if you want to, uh, if you t- took a trip, you could just document that you took the trip, and then there might be expenses and all surrounding it. And another thing, like I mentioned with our technology. There's always some type of digital trail somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, most of the times those are used. Mm, okay. Well, that's true nowadays. Yeah, so that's that's something something to keep in mind. And another uh, thing I want to mention too, um, as far as things that some people. Uh, causing themselves to be argued for because there's this new thing out where people are claiming businesses that they really do not have to get earned income credit. Mm. So that's, you know, uh, the, the agencies are very much aware of all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so those uh, things are uh, businesses. Sometimes these uh, situations generate audits. So I would recommend when it comes to preparing your tax return and audits or anything relative to that, that you you seek a good accountant that um, you talk with, uh, if you can't afford a tax attorney, uh, you can talk with Internal Revenue Service just to make sure you get um, the proper guidance. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and you mentioned um, one of the alerts, a red alerts that will kind of trigger a red flag, as um, one is claiming children that are not really yours. And are there other things that we should uh, consider? You know, that could possibly be a red flag. Um, well, a business use, like a business use of the home, sometimes mm-hmm. that that triggers a red flag. A lot of times, as I stated also, <clears throat> when it comes back to the digital situation, um, you know, the formulas, the computers can recognize that sometimes people have more expenses than mm-hmm. they have income. Not that it may not be really true, but it can generate the question, which can generate an audit. So I can guarantee you a lot of times the computer um, helps with the generation of a lot of artists and create and, and, and recognizes the red flags. And um, I, I, I stand to say that computers are a lot smarter than we are. <laughs> well, you know, that's interesting about the business because I know um, I've heard people say that that's one of their, um, like almost like a tax shelter, you know, the loss from, from a business, a personal business or a sole proprietorship or something like that. But that can also be a trigger for a red flag or something like that as well, huh? Yeah, because they want to know if it's a business or if it, or is it a hobby. 
Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. So. And your business, you're going to have all the proper licenses and, you know, things like that. Right. And mm-hmm. that's what's happening with these people that are just um, creating businesses for um, the purposes of earn income credit. They don't even have proper anything, licenses, no receipts, no <laughs> no income. They're just, you know, just creating because someone told them how to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So it's out there. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are going on out there, and I would just recommend that if you just try to uh, make sure you do what you know, what you're what what you know you but well, know what you can do, and if you don't seek the proper assistance. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about what we can do as business owners and what we can claim versus um, things we should not be claiming? I um, I think that's a really long discussion. Um, key item. Excuse me. I said just a key item, so that we don't get into another show. (laughs) Business expenses. Uh, just business expenses. Anything related to a business, you know what the expenses are. Mm -hmm. Uh, business expenses. Um. Anything related to a business, supplies or uh, mileage or, you know, there's entertainment for business and you keep all your receipts and, uh, let's see, and all of those items that are listed, if you just get a Schedule C, just go to, you can just Google Schedule C and print it out and it will show you a list of things, um, just sort of normal things that are claimed in the business. Mm-hmm. And that gives you an idea depreciation on the assets for a business. Right. Yeah, I've had some of those um, those items. So just claim the reasonable things, basically. And are are there certain things that'll raise a red, red flag? What about entertainment expenses? Is that something that you would normally um, claim? Yeah, people have to meet with clients. Mm-hmm. And all to sometimes generate business to keep that right. business going. And if it's documented well, uh, there's a, a certain limitation to the amounts and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, sure, it's legitimate. No, oh, okay. And what about um, employee-employer relationships and things like that? In terms of your, if you are business with employees, can you speak to that? Yes. Um, um, I'll say that a lot of the time, a lot I had to do a lot of educating with people that were in business and had employees because <clears throat> a lot of times when people have businesses and they try to have employees, let's just say they say they're going to pay somebody $10 an hour. Well, they have to realize that the employer has to realize they have to come up with that entire 10 because the employee isn't coming in and saying, okay, I'll give you my tax portion. The employer has to have the entire 10. And what's happening is the employer does not realize what it really costs to have mm-hmm. an employee. Employees don't come cheap. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pay payroll taxes. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard the arguments in the 
you know, with all the political stuff going on about the payroll tax here and there, but it costs um, yeah. because the employer has to make sure they have the money. They're saying uh, people are having more taken out of their check. Well, actually, the, the check starts with the employer. Mm. So if you're paying somebody ten dollars and they have some, they got to have Social Security taken out, and then the employer has to match portions of that. And then they have to have income tax withheld. Then they have to have taxes taken out for the state, Medicare. Mm -hmm. So it costs to have an employee. So it's something that you really need to think about when you say you need an employee. Because Mm -hmm. it is an expense. Mm -hmm. It's a legitimate expense. But you need to be able to afford it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I find that um, when I... um, work with the Internal Revenue Service, most of my last years were spent um, talking with employers that just paid their employees and never had enough money to send the um, taxes in. Mm -hmm. So they, basically the bottom line is, 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 is something that would drive the business in the hole. Mm -hmm. And I've, had to close a lot of businesses because of that. Oh, that's um, very important to um, to be aware of. Hmm. And another thing that people aren't aware of sometimes is when you're in a business, and uh, let's just say you're in a corporation, and if there is employment taxes, the officers or the people in the, in the corporation and the businesses that are writing the checks and signing the checks, become the ultimate uh, responsible responsible persons. So let's just say you work for XYZ, a person works for, let's just say I go to work for XYZ Corporation, and my boss tells me, you write all the payroll checks, you pay everybody, you make sure everybody gets paid. Well, then when I look in the bank, I'm like, oh, I don't have enough money to meet payroll. Well, right then I should tell my boss, we can't pay payroll this week. But what we find is people go ahead and pay the payroll, and it happens from week to week, then year to year, and it just continues. And by the time I know IRS comes around, and and let's say the business is is already probably in the hole, don't think IRS stops because the business is gone. Mm-hmm. They want to know who was the person because it's really a crime, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to see who wrote the checks, who signed the checks, mm-hmm. who's the, who gave the orders. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people end up on having a tax liability just from signing. So you need to know, you know. That that you're paying the taxes are being paid as you're signing checks. Yes, and that's interesting because I mean, I would never have thought of that if you were working for a corporation that you're that you're personally liable for that. If you're that's, doing all a, the signing and and you know that you're signing and writing these checks and there's no money to pay the payroll tax, you can. Oh, I'm not going to say you will be. But you right. can ultimately be responsible. Mhm. Mhm. Oh, that's it. That's important. Wow. That's very important. 
We have sometimes the wives just doing what their husband tells them to do. Mm-hmm. Now, would that follow suit for uh, not-for-profit organizations? Same thing. Mm. I once had a, a, a organization that was like a, some type of arts organization, and, you know, they had all these um, people that were from all these big companies that were just really sort of volunteering their time sitting on the board, you know, making sure this this was a community organization and, and brought lots of artistic uh, events to the community. And so the board was okaying everything and saying yes, 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 but the guy that was responsible for making payroll, they were getting grants. Mm-hmm. But this guy was responsible for making the payroll and all, and when he gave them reports each month, Nobody never questioned. Well, I think he even showed how much taxes were due, but nobody ever asked were they really paid. Show me a check where you paid them. Okay. And by the time I came along, I mean, they were like $75,000 in employment taxes. Wow. But what happened was all these people that were volunteers on the board, they all had to be questioned about their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Of course, the guy who did all the writing of the checks was going to be held responsible. Mm-hmm. But then there were other people that were just as responsible that did not take their responsibility um, serious enough to do what they were supposed to do. But anyway, um, it was it was... Not a pretty picture. There were some lots of upset people. Yeah. And so really it all boils down to, you know, along with your responsibility as a business owner or, you know, in a not-for-profit corporation, you just have to be aware of, uh, and especially if you're dealing with the finances, you have to be aware of your responsibilities, not only just writing checks, but your responsibilities to the IRS. And everybody knows about that. Uh, and we should all um, just, you know, understand that, as Raisa said, you know, the render unto Caesar aspect of it. But just be conscious of that because, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of stuff that I wasn't aware of as well. well uh, I'm a- hearing, well, you know, the main thing is being conscious. Now, right. if I was a mechanic and I enjoy fixing cars and getting greasy, bookkeeping is not my thing and it's not going to be my thing. But like you said, being conscious. So immediately, I should have me an accountant. I should have me a CPA. I should have somebody that is going to take care of that. That is a business expense because, mm-hmm. you know, I can't take my greasy hands and write payroll checks and think that's all I have to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I find that people do. That's not their thing. Everybody's not a bookkeeper. Everybody's not an accountant. That's, they have, if I'm an artist, bookkeeping probably may not be my thing. Right. That's so right. I need to find me an accountant when, mm-hmm. I, when I start doing the business side of it. And yeah, that's, 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 that's where people fail. Mm-hmm. Raisa? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were making a comment. And and that's so true. Um, back in August, we had a networking event, and the financial analyst, that's one of the things that one of the first things that she talked about when she talked to our small business owners 
was have, and she said for herself, she's a financial analyst, but she does not like to do that. So she sends off a little package at least once a month or every couple of weeks with all of her stuff, and she sends it off to her accountant. And so that's that's a very good um, tip and something to consider. You know, nowadays um, you can find people that are very reasonable. You know, mm-hmm. and, and if you just can't afford it, then there are other ways for you to learn how to do it and to do it properly. But like you said, the thing is to be conscious. And let's take a moment right now so that we can um, let our audience know that we are talking here with Linda Curry-Graham, who is a retired IRS enrolled agent with 29 years of tax collection experience. And Linda's sharing with us some helpful tax tips. Um, how about um, us opening the lines for any um questions that our callers might have. If you have a question, please press 1, and we will recognize you by calling the last four digits of your phone number and um, have you join the conversation. I thought I saw someone with a question earlier. Caller 8511, did you have a question? Am I still on? You're on now. Welcome to the show. Okay, hi, how are you? I, I didn't think I would be able to speak because I had to get out the car. But I did have a question. I, I wanted her to comment about independent contractors since she was speaking about the relationship between employee and owner. And in particular, when you are a business owner and you have people working for you that claim independent contractor and do a 1099 on their taxes, and could she just elaborate a little more on that? Because I took a small business um class recently, and they spoke about that, and they spoke about a lot of, when you're speaking about red flags, about how small business owners can get jammed up because they can't afford this tax because they don't understand all the ramifications of having an employee and dealing with the tax part of it. So you might have people that say, okay, well, I'm an independent contractor, mm-hmm. and that a lot of times will bring up a red flag too. So I want her to um, elaborate on that. Okay, thank you. Linda, can you speak to that? Yes, first of all, I think she did an excellent job of explaining what I'll just elaborate a little bit more on because she has all the right thoughts and she knows all the right things. And it is true. People will come to you and say, treat me as an independent contractor. But um, the employee-employer relationship is when you're uh, questioned by tax agencies, they're trying to determine if there's an employee-employer relationship. Mm-hmm. And basically, the, the basic formula is if you can tell them when to come, uh, when to leave, what to do, how long to do it, and give them to, to, the tools to use to do the job, then basically it sounds like they, they are your employee. Mm-hmm. And you can use common sense. If I'm independent, if you if you have the guy um, come paint your house, you might say be there between nine to five, uh, but you're not. Most time you aren't going to, you know, so, some of these elements that I just missed, I mentioned uh-huh. will be missing. Mm-hmm. And you know, just like the lawn guy, he's going to basically show up when he wants to. Long mm-hmm. as he do your job, he's independent. Independent mm-hmm. means just that, independent. Mm-hmm. So you have all the right information, and they will. And this is what I saw that was happening in my 29 years. 
Yeah, people will like that 1099 mm-hmm. until they find out that their friend got a $2,000 or $3,000 refund. And then when they get their tax return done, they find out that they are, they owe. Well, what happens is I've seen them come and they say, you know, I work for Mr. X. Mm-hmm. Mr. X mm-hmm. took taxes out on me. As a matter of fact, Mr. X paid me on the table. Right, right. That's what they were saying. <laughs> so and they just, you know, they, they cover, they whistle, and mm-hmm. sing like a bird. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you know, at that point, they're required to fill out information, and they'll do mm-hmm. anything because the only thing they're thinking about is their friend got this big refund, and mm-hmm. they owe. Oh my That's gosh. what they were saying, that a lot of times the businesses will end up with all of the litigation, all of the, you know, investigation. It falls on the owner, so to be very careful with people. Make sure you have that kind of thing in writing. You need to specify. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for um, your question. All right, thank you all. Okay, Linda, would you like to take a moment now and tell us about um, about your business venture and how we can contact you? Well, and any well, other information that you'd like to share if you have upcoming events or you know what you're doing, whatever you'd like to share with our listeners. Well, actually, I, again, just like I started uh, about 30 years ago in tax collection, I'm still trying to end the same way, um, helping people to resolve their tax issues. And so that's basically what my business is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that owe, which is where most of my experience was, mm-hmm. uh, that cannot resolve their tax debt. Uh, the one thing I would say is don't panic. Right. If you haven't done anything illegal or immoral and you just owe, there, there is a resolution. You may not know it all, but I have experience in that area and uh, that's what that's the business I have, and that's what I do. Okay. And, uh, and if um, and if you want me to just give um, my email address, where if someone needs to contact me, that would be just fine. Yes, please do that. And I know we're going to get more into some of the resolutions a little bit later. But if you could give your contact information that you'd like to share, that would be great. Okay. Um, my email address is collection c o l l e c t i o n one zero zero eight at yahoo dot com. So that's collection ten o eight at yahoo dot com. Great, thank you. Okay, so we've talked, you know, a little about um, how to um, kind of take precautions, what actions you can take so that you don't trigger a red flag and, you know, so that you stay on the up and narrow. And um, uh, one of the important things that you talked about uh, during that segment was to um, have um, documentation to keep good and accurate records, which a lot of people don't do and something that we really need to to start doing. And then you went on to talk about um, what can kind of trigger a red flag, what can trigger an alert and shared some uh, information regarding that um, in terms of businesses uh, not taking out the proper tax, people claiming children that they don't have in some instances. And you also advised us to um, 
Make sure we get um, good advice, either from an accountant or if you need to call the IRS directly. And personally, I have done that on many occasions, and they are very good with that. I've even called IRS um, like the on April 15th, late at night, you know, and they've been really good about um, giving you proper information. And um, we talked about some um, business tips as well, you know, about um, employer-employee relationships, which I think people really don't take enough time to consider, and we should. Uh, Independent contractors, which was very interesting because um, some people think of that as a way out, and it's not necessarily. You know, we have guidelines that we need to go by in all of these areas. And now you want to start talking about or go into some of the resolutions uh, what, what should we do if we find that we do owe? Um, if you owe, um, the first thing to do is, first of all, a lot of people I find if when, around April 15th when they get their tax returns prepared and they find out they owe, they will not file the tax return. Well, just to hold the tax return, there's a penalty. Just to hold it and not file it on April 15th. Now, the fact that you owe isn't going to really change. But the thing is, once you hold it after April 15th, then you've added more to that. Then the interest and the penalties continue. You have a failure to file and a failure to pay and the interest. So don't hold your tax return if you don't if you owe you you just owe. If you owe fifty thousand dollars or less, it's an easy resolution. Mm-hmm. And that's great because not everybody owes fifty thousand dollars. So if you owe fifty thousand dollars or less, it's an easy solution. Anything over that is a little bit more involved, and uh, there are situations where. Um, tax liens can be filed, but even if they are, it's still not the end of the world. They can be released. They can be withdrawn. And that takes a little bit more. That's a little bit more involved. That's where I come in. Um, Sometimes when people don't pay and they just ignore letters, it's not a good idea because you have rights as a taxpayer. And some people say, oh, I got all these letters from Internal Revenue Service. They just keep sending me letters. Well, what they're doing is providing you with your rights. They must send you so many letters. They must send you so many notices. And when you don't, and when you ignore them, and and uh, especially if you get certified mail, then basically you have you're already you, they're giving you your rights and you're not using them. Mm-hmm. It's best to talk to them or someone get someone to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Ignoring them is, I mean, IRS and your state agency is not going to resolve anything. It's not going to make it go away. No, and uh, so now, owing Linda, is not the end of the world. You just right. need to know that owing is not the end of the world. As a matter of fact. A lot of people do not want to owe IRS. Mm-hmm. Just know that, if, especially if you're in business, if you owe, that means one thing, you made some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, I don't want to be in a business where I always have a loss. Right. I want to have a profit. 
so um, so on is not a bad thing. You just have um, to be able to and be able to and willing to pay. Now, I wanted to ask you um, um, to backtrack for a second and ask: When you find out that you owe them, if you said go on and submit the form anyway, but do if you can't submit the payment, still go on and submit the form because I think that might be what's troubling a lot of people if they don't have the money on the spot. Tax return, yes. So you and should submit it even though you don't have the payment at the time. If you don't have the payment, go on. As a matter of fact, you can almost request a payment agreement at the time you submit your tax return. Mm. So, you you know, you can pay in installments, you can pay in full. Now, some of that is, you know, they make determinations whether and how you can pay. And, um, you know, if you're sitting there having $100,000 in your account and saying, well, I can't pay $20,000, they are not going to let that happen. Oh, okay. But if you owe fifty thousand dollars or less, they will. Okay. But the thing is, you don't want, if you can pay it with the interest and all. It's it's compounded daily, mean, meaning that it's interest on top of interest. You want to get it paid as quickly as possible. But sometimes your situation and circumstances do not allow you to do that. So the best thing to do is to openly communicate. Uh, don't think of your IRS agent or person that's contacting you as an enemy. Look at them as someone that is ultimately trying to help you. And, you know, just be willing to work through the process. And and, and remember, you have rights. As a matter of fact, you should always be given your rights. And your rights would tell you what you can do in order to resolve your debt. So will an agent at any time call you? You mentioned that you would get uh, numerous uh, mail notifications. Will an agent at any time call you? Yes. An agent will call you when you will not call them. So basically if you have, you know, they you have received all of your notices and lots of time has passed, and according to the dollar amount and the resources that are available that the agencies have available, yes, they will contact you personally. They, I contacted people. I called them. I went to their home to see them. I went to their jobs to see them. I got their paycheck before they got it. So communication is the key. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes we never, I mean, like three, four years, never heard from anyone. But when I took their paycheck, I always heard strangely. <laughs> So communication is the key. And half of the time, when I took their paycheck and by the time we sat down and reviewed their financial information, it, it was never warranted. I never needed to do that. And and, 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 and a lot of people think that IRS is, has this um, these eyes on them. They don't even know who you are. And mm. I can recall one time I called someone's house and the man was dead. As a matter of fact, he had just died the day before. Oh, yeah. And his family just knew that I knew that the man was dead. Right. That I happened to, his name just happened to come up on my case selection that day. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it was just ironic that he had died the day before. Of course, I apologized and got off of the phone, but I didn't know. Right. I had tell me I was in the hospital for six weeks. 
we don't know when you're in the hospital. Mm-hmm. We don't keep an eye on you. It just happened that your name came up and we decided to contact you. Mm-hmm. So they don't know. Communication from you is key. So it's not like Big Brother IRS has their um, spyglass on us. <laughs> no, but if it ever gets on you, before they take it off, they're going to know whether or not they can get paid or not. So the, in other words, keep them off of you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very sound advice, definitely. Thank you. So I have a question about the changes that are coming up when we like to get people started thinking about tax changes for 2014. What advice can you give in that area? I personally do not know anything about changes for 2014. Um, I would suggest that you review www.irs.gov you talk with an accountant or your tax return preparer. They are normally uh, aware of all those things. Or mm-hmm. just contact Internal Revenue Service. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, sometimes it's in the news. Mm-hmm. You know, when Congress make laws, you'll hear what's coming down the pipe. Well, that's um, something that we will do, and I, I, I also encourage um, people to really use IRS as a resource because, one, it's free, and they're yes. going to give you the exact information. And if it so happens that you really don't understand it, you know, then um, move to um, an accountant. Now, do you have any experience or any information regarding uh, these uh, tax preparation software packages? Uh, do they tend to get people in trouble, or are they pretty viable from your experience? From my personal experience, I will say that I don't have any problems. They t- appear to be very viable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's something that people can afford, that's something that they should look into. And uh, But, again, remember, you're the human in putting the information. Mm-hmm. So error in, error out. Right. But you never ran across a lot of um, audits or anything like that that were triggered b- because a person used that software? They're typically pretty pretty reliable. No. It's, like I said, it's the information you put in. So earlier I mentioned, you know, document matching and um, the analysis by the computers. Mm-hmm. Of, of of you know the income and expense information that is on the tax return, all that still is the same. Mm-hmm. So whether you file it manually or electronically, the oh, analysis yeah. are still done. Mm-hmm. And do so, they they keep, um, have a particular eye out for those electronic um, software? Or is it so widely used that you know it's not any big deal? No, I don't. Th- I personally don't think it's any big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't even think they have something to say. Well, let's look out for X, Y, Z tax software. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Okay. Well, great. 
Well, thank you for that um, that information, and I want to ask you again, uh, well, first I'll open the line to the callers. Callers, as we uh, start to wind down this evening, if you have a question for our special guest, Linda Curry-Graham, please raise your hand, press number one, so that we can acknowledge you and bring you into the call. In the meantime, Linda, would you like to share your contact information with um, our listeners again? Okay, my contact information uh, would be um, you sending me an email collection ten o eight c o l l e c t i o n one zero zero eight at yahoo dot com. And Linda, you mentioned that you you um, do um, individual consultations and work with people. Do you work uh, with groups or give um, you know presentations or anything like that? Or how do you work? Do you work as in, with individuals? I do both. I work, uh, do presentations as well as work with in- individuals. And my services basically are with individuals that mm-hmm. are having, um, that have tax matters that they feel they cannot resolve. Okay. Okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and another thing I would like to add to everything I've said is when you're choosing, and, and I'm speaking from experience and everything that I say, and um, when choosing your accountant, tax preparer, lawyer, all of that, you need to ask questions. You need to interview them before you hire them. Mm-hmm. And, and if you hire them to do a job, you should have expectations of what you're expecting them to do. You know, you should have some deadlines. If you say check with IRS on this, they should be getting back with you mm. with some results. Um, I, I just have seen so many people abused in that area. Well, is it the law now that um, if, if you're called to go to um, call to be audited or, or if you have any type of uh, legal situation with IRS that the person that prepared your tax forms are also liable as well? Is that is that right or is that not right? Well, it can't. Part of that information is correct because if you tell me that you have three children and you give me their numbers, I I'm not going to audit you if I'm preparing your tax return. I'm not going to find out if these children are really yours. So when if I if I find out that you claim children that weren't yours. Right. Then me as a tax preparer it will not be responsible. Mm-hmm. Right. You I understand did that. that you were not supposed to do. So it depends on what aspect of the accounting process that you know. Yes. Okay. You're, you're, you're ultimately responsible for your own tax return. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, people tax preparers are required to if. If you pay somebody to do your tax return, you, they should be signing your tax return saying they did them. Mm-hmm. You should know what's on your tax return. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you should know what's on your tax return. I've seen people that just had a nine-to-five job, and once they're audited, that's when they found out that their accountant put a business on there. Oh, my goodness. They didn't really know how to read the the, the tax return, but now, you know, you're sitting there, and that's what triggered the audit. 
you have this business with all these expenses. You you just really you just paid for your tax return and put it away. It takes the time and look over your tax return. Yeah, and you do have to be cautious of your accountants as well. You know, you have to be in tune with them. I had an experience like that early on, and um, what? Well, the route that I took was that I stopped dealing with the tax uh, mm-hmm. preparer and started. Um, doing them myself because it was pretty simple. I, you know, I didn't have an involved tax forms, but, you know, you do, like you said, interview them, get to know them, make sure that they understand they are working for you. Mm-hmm. And um, so those are some of the things that we need to keep in mind when working with um, a tax an accountant or a tax lawyer or something like that. And also I would like to add, if you owe your accountant just shouldn't be giving you a tax return and say, oh, you owe. They should be giving you some idea of what's going to keep you from on next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to just owe every year. Mm-hmm. There are way, things that you can do to prevent yourself from owing every year, and they should be giving you ideas and suggestions. Mm-hmm. So, so can you give us a couple of tips? You what caused you to owe? Okay. So can you share with us a couple of things that will help us not owe? <laughs> um, Sometimes I find that people that have um, two or three jobs, mm. let's say if they claim two on one job and they claim two on the next job, well, let's say if you made 10000 on one job and claimed two, maybe they took out $1,000. And if you claim um, made 10000 on the second job and claimed two, maybe they took out $1,000. And the $1,000 may be okay if you made $10,000. But when you put those two incomes together, it is now $20,000, and you really may be in a higher tax bracket. Oh. Mm. And so you may end up owing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, it, and I'm not saying that for those amounts, but that was those right. amounts where I can give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I find especially like, you know, some people just have two and three jobs. Mm-hmm. So they have to be aware. Some One of the jobs you may have to make sure you claim less exemptions to make sure you don't owe. Right, okay. And, hmm. and um, um, that's... Well, that's a pretty good one, especially in this economy where a lot of people are working a couple of jobs. Mm-hmm. Raisa, Art, did you have anything that you'd like to ask or comment on as we start to wind down this evening? No. Okay, great. Well, again, we'd like to let our um, audience know that we are talking to Linda Curry-Graham, and um, Linda has been with us to talk about... Um, Helpful tax tips, and if you'd like to contact Linda, who also uh, does consulting with people who find themselves owing the IRS, Linda can be reached at, Linda, please give your email address again, please. Collection1008, that's C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-O-N, 
1008@yahoo.com. And be sure to contact her if you um, have some information and um, really need some help. Uh, Linda, I, what really struck me when uh, we first started talking about uh, Linda being in retirement was how she said that um, she had made that her ministry to try to help people who find themselves owing IRS and to try to inform people of how to stay within the guidelines so that they won't um, end up owing. And if you do, to know your rights, to know what to do so that it does not become an overblown situation from you for you. So I thought that was very inspirational because I don't know, at some point in time or another, people might have found themselves dealing with a collector, and it has probably has not been a pretty picture or a pretty uh, experience. So it was good to hear from someone in that capacity who wanted to help people uh, and, and help you through the process. So that's one of the reasons and one of the things that really inspired me when we had that conversation some time ago. And, Linda, we are just so grateful that you were able to be with us this evening. We appreciate um, the information that you've shared with us. And um, I think we mentioned that we like to end our show with a quote that um, deals with the subject matter. So did you have a quote that you'd like to share with us this evening? Well, I, I found this quote, and the author is unknown, and it is, did you ever notice that when you put the words the, T-H-E, and I-R-S together, it spells theirs? That's funny. I had the same one. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I never thought about that before. <laughs> Not yours. It's theirs. Yeah, and that's pretty much the way it is. <laughs> I have an unknown author, another one. It's um, the best things in life are free, but sooner or later, the government will find a way to tax them. (laughs) Might as well keep it funny. Yeah, that's a good one, too. (laughs) Okay. I have one that says, taxes, after all, are dues that we pay for the privileges of membership in an organized society. And that's from Franklin D. Roosevelt. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty interesting as um, dues that we pay for privileges. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. So we'd like to thank our audience and our listeners for being with us this evening. We always appreciate you dialing into our Internet radio shows, and we'd like to encourage you to um, visit our website. And, Raisa, did you have any lives we wrap up? Sure, definitely we would like you to join our financial literacy education program series where we talk about managing money um, from both a spiritual and physical aspect. So um, next Thursday we will have a show dealing with creating and building wealth. And then the following week we will have Medea on our organic will be on giving us holistic kitchen tips. Oh, awesome. So look forward to additional information and um, definitely join us. Uh, We have some really interesting shows coming up. Linda, did you have any last words that you'd like to share with our listening audience? No. I'll just know that every situation is different. 
Oh, awesome. That's right. And don't be intimidated. That's the other thing. You know, you have rights and don't be intimidated. So we'd like to thank you again for joining us at Sisters in Spirit Radio and uh, invite you to um, visit our website at www.sisters-in-spirit.net. And our email is in the letter in spirit at sisters-in-spirit.net. Thank you for being with us, and have a good night. Good night. Good night.